You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, we are, I believe, 24 days away as we record this podcast from draft night, first round. Um, and we haven't, we've talked a little bit about some of the free agents that the, uh, the Lions have re signed Charles Harris, um, Alex Anzalone, Josh Reynolds. Uh, we did talk briefly about the one big signing that they had, if you want to call it a big signing, the one year deal. Uh, that they signed DJ Shark to. But for the most part, the Lions have been relatively quiet in free agency. And it's not like they don't have cap room. Um, They've got a decent amount of cap room. Uh, I think it's right now sitting at about $20 million worth of cap space that they have. Um, Are you concerned at all? Or give us your thoughts on the Lions' inactivity in free agency. Well, I think there's two ways to look at it. You know, it's because you're starting to hear rumors about maybe them, how they were involved with Allen Robinson, right? Right. I mean, there were some rumors about Lions were in the mix there. Ultimately didn't get it. Um, And we kind of hit on this last week a little bit. To me, it kind of seems like you're just sticking to the script almost. You know what I mean? Everybody knew that uh, this wasn't going to be a one-year rebuild. You know, it's probably going to be two, three years uh, of rebuild to try to build through the draft and keep some young players and retain some of your guys and um, start competing, uh, you know, maybe next year. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's because then you hear there's possibilities of them going after guys, right? But, right. but the one thing I tell you, we knew if you're a top free agent in the NFL and you've got an offer from, just take Allen Robinson, you got an offer from the Rams, you got an offer from the Lions. The only way you're coming to the Lions is if they somehow grossly overpay, right? right. If they say, okay, they're going to offer you 15 a year, we'll have to give you 20, right? Yeah. What do you think about that? And that's the only way you can start getting guys away from um, better teams. Now, I like the fact that maybe they, they're not doing that um, because you just don't want to go overpay for a bunch of guys that are going to be here two, three years. That's not really in your window of 
of uh, you know competing for the division, whatever you want to call it. That's that's not that's not going to speed up the rebuild. You know yeah. what I mean? So um, I kind of look. I, I don't think it's uh, surprising that they haven't done a whole lot in free agency. Um, free agency is also still not done. There's still a lot of guys out there, veteran guys that um, sometimes take a little bit longer. But I think it's just uh, I think it's just sticking to the plan. I think uh, you know they they re-signed a lot of their guys that they felt like uh, could be impact players for them. The young guys, Tracy Walker, a um, couple of the receivers, uh, whatever it is, guys that they know can come in and, and compete, maybe take an, another step this coming season. But um, I, I just don't think they're really getting ahead of themselves. You know, I think you look at the last half of last season and there was reason to be optimistic okay maybe this team isn't as far off um when you step back you realize they are still pretty far off (laughs) and I think that that's what they realize too we're still pretty far off let's take it let's not do anything silly let's stick to the plan let's keep some young guys around if we can find a free agent that can come in and help us we'll do it Um, but we're not going to be one of these teams that's going to compete for these high-end guys because let's face it we're still a lot of we're still quite a few pieces away from competing to be where we want to be. So, uh, I don't know. Would you say it's disappointing? I mean, sure, everybody loves well, a little no, splash there's no this razzle, time of year. Dazzle, right. There's no you know, splash signing. Yeah, everybody loves that this time of year. Look who, look, look, look who we got. Wow, look at this. going to be great for two years. Probably not going to win anyway, so what does it matter, right? Um, so, I wouldn't really say it's been disappointing. I think it's just uh, part of, you know, Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell. That's, that's what we were told to do to just kind of be patient and trust these guys, trust that they know what they're doing. And um, that's kind of where I am right now. Just, just still try to trust the process. Well, and the, obviously the signals were there that this was going to be a long process. You give your head coach who is, you know, never co- had been a head coach, you know, f- you know, as full time, he's been an interim head coach, um, a six year contract. Uh, and to me, that singles, Hey, we know that the first few years are going to be rough. Uh, we want to make sure that we continue to build something. And but the fans and I want to see every year a way that they can be better than they were last year. What is it that the fans can they hang their hat on and say, okay, you know, they were a three-win team in 2021. In 2022. You know, how are they going to produce more wins? What is it about this team that gives you the 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 thought or the feeling that they're going to be better than they were last year? Well, I, I think part of it is just the up down theory, right? right. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't possibly lose as many close games as you did last year. You can't possibly do that again. You can't possibly get beat, you know, by two ridiculously long field goals to lose two games. Um, You know, just that kind of theory alone puts you, okay, maybe five, six wins, you know, easily. But um, I I think, look, I think the way that, uh, you know, offensively specifically that they kind of started Get, get grain and uh, you know getting some traction there in the past in the last six seven games. Um, Jared Goff was playing a lot better, and Amon Ross St. Brown really started to emerge as a <laughs> potential you know superstar wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I think uh, and, and and obviously with the with the offensive line they have, you can't leave those guys out either. But um, I, I think that's just offensively you have optimism to say they've got the pieces in place. They've got the pieces to 
maybe have a top five run game. They've got to to have a top five offensive line that's going to keep Jared Goff safe. Um, they bring in DJ Chark, right? That's just going to add another threat to take some coverage away, maybe from Hawkinson, St. Brown, and even DeAndre Swift coming out of the backfield. I think offensively, there's reason to be very optimistic. Um, defensively, I, I think is where obviously the draft is going to tell us a lot, but yeah. that's where you're missing most of your pieces, right? You're missing that playmaker on the front, uh, on that defensive line. You're missing that linebacker that's just going to go sideline to sideline and, and just lock down the middle of that defense. You're missing a guy on the back end that's just going to be Shut a premier player. Right, exactly. So you're still missing a couple of those pieces defensively. But I think offensively, um, there's no excuse for this team to come out and – you know, average 15 points a game again like they did for much of last season. Yep. Uh, they've just got way too much talent to do that. And and the fact that, look, you're bringing back, I think Dan Campbell, there was, you know, some questions last year when he took over the play calling. Uh, he was very aggressive. Um, a lot of the fourth downs. How much is that? How much of that is going to change now that Ben Johnson's taking over? Yeah. Um, but you're keeping the same system around. So obviously these guys, you're returning a lot of guys offensively the more familiar you get with the system going into year two of the same system, you expect to have just a higher success rate just with the familiarity that comes with that. So I think offensively there's there's uh, plenty of reason to be optimistic that they can at least keep themselves in games just offensively with the, with the way that they can potentially score some points. Well, it looks like the, the starting five of the offensive line, those guys will all be back. Frank Ragnow hopefully healthy again. Um, obviously left tackle – Decker and right tackle Sewell, um, and then I'm just going to give you the rest of the offense as it as before the draft as to what it looks like right now. Josh Reynolds, uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ Shark at wide receiver, TJ Hawkinson at tight end, DeAndre Swift in the backfield, and Jared Goff at quarterback. Does this team have the potential at times? If if they go you know full on rebuild on the defense now in the draft and they add a lot of young talent and with that young talent you're going to get some good moments you're also going to get some young moments uh, do they have the ability at times to be able to outscore opponents? Well, yeah, you would hope so, uh, and I know you just rattled off the you know depth chart as it sits right now and. The only difference from last year's DJ Chark, right? right. Everybody else is returning. Um, so, how much of an impact is he going to have, you know, on that offense? I, I think it's going to be as long as he can stay healthy. I think it's going to be huge because, just like we mentioned, I mean, how many times last year on a third down were you watching TJ Hawkinson get you know double, triple covered, yep. and he didn't really have another guy um, that at least built enough trust at that point to be that number one weapon on those big downs. Um, DJ Chark, if he can fill that void, be an outside guy, be a deep threat type guy, which they didn't have last year, um, that's just going to open up a lot more things for those guys underneath. So, uh, look, I think that you just you, – you, you have to expect – a lot of these players to take a big leap. You have to expect that. And that's, you know, if you're a young guy like uh, even Hawkinson, Sewell, Swift, you still have to, you guys, you're not in your prime yet. You still have to take that next step. Being in the same system, being with the same coaching staff, 
that's just all that's that's one last thing you have to worry about right i think anytime you get a new coach in new staff it's just it takes a long time to build that chemistry but moving forward year two of the uh, uh of the system it's just you have to take you have to take steps as a young player and i think there's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be that kind of breakout guy in year two of this offense um probably a good amount of you know you could talk about Hawkinson you can even talk about Swift potentially being a, a breakout type guy they're gonna have to find one of those guys though because yeah. just and last year I mean it was frustrating because we talk about this offense right we talk about well they've got some playmakers Hawkinson Swift you know Amon Ross St. Brown whatever you look at last year and they lost so many games you know holding teams to 17 points 16 right. points 19 points and it's like well if your offense is that good it shouldn't be that hard to score 20 points in a game right, right? so they lost a lot of points just not by being able to score uh offensively but i think you know year two i think jared goff is obviously going to be the linchpin to this whole thing how much better can he get how much uh can he prove that he can at least play consistent football like we saw in stretches of the last half of last season i think for him um, you know, having that confidence is going to go a long way as well. And TJ, you mentioned TJ Hawkinson. First of all, I mean, is there a kinship because you guys share the same initials? <laughs> is is he going to change his uh, Twitter handle to uh, Tej Two? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, just a good name, Jen. I don't know what to tell you. Just yeah, a, yeah. Okay. Well, it's 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 more of a, a nickname than it is an actual yeah, name. That's true. But uh, let me ask you this. They've got a decision to make by May 2nd. I believe that's when they have the option to pick up his fifth year. Has he done enough for you to say, yeah, they definitely have to pick up that fifth-year option on TJ Hawkinson? He's only entering his fourth, so they've got to make that decision now for that fifth year uh, in in two. I think so. I mean, yeah, I think any first-round pick, especially the top ten guys, really the only time you see them not get picked up is if they're just – a bust Absolutely or terrible injury. Yeah, yes. And that's kind of how it was. Now, I know he's back on the team now, but that's how it was with Jared Davis. You know, Jared Davis yep. comes in as number one pick, uh, flashed at times, but really wasn't consistent enough to show you that he's going to be your every down middle linebacker. So they didn't pick up his fifth year option. And uh, But for TJ, I think you have to, I, I think they're going to pick it up. And I think it's a smart move. It's not anything crazy. You know, it's not 15, 20 million dollars, anything like that. Um, but I think he he has done enough to be a threat in the middle of the field offensively that you just need in today's NFL. Um, now he still has before you give him a big, big contract. I think he still has a lot of room to grow because yeah. he he got better as a blocker um, last year. I thought, but when it came to being a receiver he's good great big target he runs really smooth routes I just want to see a little bit more from him after the catch right because yeah. he's kind of the guy and you watch some film on him in the first couple years that he's tackled right away it, it's either catch and tackle or it's catch and kind of fall down you know he had this <laughs> he, he just had this <laughs> this thing to him where it's like you jump you catch and you just go fall down kind of duck the hit and there's like dude there's nobody around you man just keep running yeah. you know and I, I just like to see him uh, keep developing as uh, just a playmaker down the middle of the field, not only being a guy that can get open and make grabs, but making plays after the catch. That's what's that's what separates you as a tight end from guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, um, to just really any other tight end, is you look at what those guys can do with the ball in their hands after the 
throw is already made, after the catch is made. That They can do some special things. Hawkinson has that ability, I think. Yeah. Um, I think he just has to be consistent with it because you can't you, – I, I don't think you can justify right now if you wanted to say, you know, we're going to lock him up with a five, six-year deal and pay him, you know, the top tight end in the league. I don't think he's justified no. enough to do that right now. But that's what this fifth-year option gives you. It gives you an extra uh, year of security knowing you're going to have him for not only this season but 2023 as well, and you get more time to evaluate if you really want to make that long-term investment in him. Now, um, like I said, he's done, he's done so much that uh, where it flashes and you look at it and you're like, gosh, he can be a big time playmaker. You just don't see it consistent enough. And that's, uh, that's what I think from my perspective, I just want to see that next step of, of playmaking ability. How can you do it consistently? We know you can do it, but how are you going to do it consistently to really separate yourself uh, from a lot of their tight ends in the league? Well, and two things I'm going to be looking for this year for him. One, you mentioned blocking, and I do think that it was improved, but the one thing that that drives me absolutely crazy... Penalties? Well, penalties, but when you're backside, and it's simply put your hat in the right place to slow down that backside defender um, to allow for a cutback or to slow down pursuit. That's where I I struggle when a tight end can't do that. And I thought he struggled backside of running plays last year. Um, But then the other thing that I want to see this year, uh, I want to see improvement there. But at the end of the year, he missed some time due to injury. And that's when Amon Ross St. Brown really was at his best. That's when Josh Reynolds started to come on and he was playing well at that time. Now you throw in DJ Shark, possibly a rookie playmaker at the wide receiver position. You have more weapons like that, plus a healthy offensive line. I think, to your point, he's going to have more opportunity in the middle of the field. He's also going to have more opportunity on catch and run throws. Because of just being able to open the offense up a little bit more, having a deep threat, having a, a guy on the sidelines that, that you could throw the ball to will inherently open things up for TJ Hawkinson. So I want to see him be back, be better backside on blocks and then that catch and run or middle of the field opportunity for him I think will be there. Yeah, and the penalties too. I think that towards the end of the year it was like, yeah, almost felt like it was like two a game, like you know, holding false start, just, yep. just lock it in, man. <laughs> lining in. up wrong, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, illegal, uh, you know, motion formation, or alignment yeah. formation, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, and I think that look, that's where this, uh, that's where this run game is really going to help too. I mean, you look at you know, especially a guy like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. I mean, a lot of their big plays come off of you know, those play-action passes. Kelsey's kind of different. You can split him out wide as a receiver, and he'll go yep. make plays. But uh, George Kittle, especially with what they like to do in San Francisco, I mean, a lot of that comes off the run uh, play-action scheme. And that's just – that they, I, don't, I don't think they really set themselves up last year for enough of those successful play-action passes because the run game just wasn't consistent enough. If you can get that, obviously, better. Um, we saw flashes of it. Uh, you know when when Dan Campbell took over, but that's real. That's what's really going to help T.J. Hawkinson as well, because too many times when it's a third down, I mean teams are automatically double covering Hawkinson because yeah. they knew he was the number one target. If they double covered him, most of the time it was just a check down. Uh, you know DeAndre Swift and try to make some guys miss, but defenses knew that. Now I think, like you mentioned, with the emergence of uh, you know St. Brown uh, as well on third down. Jared Goff's just got to 
He's got to remember, you know, you can't just lock in on one guy. There was one play in that Minnesota game. I know they ended up winning it, but yeah. it was a big third down, I think, in the fourth quarter. And you could tell he just locked – Jared Goff locked in on Hawkinson. There were three guys by him. And Amon Ross St. Brown was wide open coming over the middle. Probably would have been a huge gain. Tried to force it into Hawkinson. Interception, turnover. <laughs> and, and, and that – that could have been the difference in that game. Now they ended up coming back to win it, obviously, in the last second. With but late game heroics. Those type of plays you just can't you can't have anymore with Jared Goff. And I, I think look, I, I think maybe, like you said, the silver lining in Hawkinson missing so much time was it allowed uh it allowed Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown a better opportunity to build some chemistry, build some trust on that connection uh, between those two guys. So um yeah, I mean, I don't want to get crazy and make any crazy predictions or anything, but I would be really disappointed if this offense uh, wasn't considered, you know, maybe a ten, top 10 offense. I, I think they just have that type of talent. And going into year two of the system, you, you just expected to take that step. On the defensive side of things, you know, uh, you mentioned they need a playmaker at every level. Uh, and it's no secret, whether it's, you know, on the back end, a shut down corner. Now, hopefully, Jeff Okuda um, has a, a great recovery. He's had two years that have been injury marred, um, hasn't lived up to the, the third overall pick. Uh, designation that 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 he's had, but if he can come back and play, um, you know, not that he'll be a shutdown corner, but he could provide great play at that corner position. Uh, you've got some other guys back there, but you're looking for a dog in the secondary uh, at the linebacker position. Uh, you know, I know they got Derek Barnes, but it, he's not that sideline to sideline type of athlete that you had mentioned earlier. And up front. Yeah, I know that um, you know uh, Harris can get after the quarterback. He had seven sacks last year. They're bringing him back. Uh, Romeo Oquara, uh, Julian Oquara, you know, healthy this year could make a big impact on that. But that number two overall pick, and we're going to highlight just one guy today, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau. Going into the season, everybody, or not everybody, because I wasn't necessarily on that bandwagon yet, at thought that he was the consensus number one pick in this year's draft. And, you know, if, if he goes at number 10, it's not like that's still not great, but it, it's, a, it's a far way from being the number one overall pick. Why is it and what is it about him, his game, the season that he had last year that has caused him to drop in a lot of these mock drafts from, you know, number one overall to now we even see him mocked at 10. I don't think I've seen him outside the top 10, but mocked at 10. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, when you think about the fact that, I mean, for the past, like, year and a half, if not two years, yeah. it has been, you know, when Kayvon Thibodeau is eligible, he's going to be the number one pick. That's yeah. just, that was the consensus you know, starting until about, what, maybe four months ago? Yeah. I mean, before that, it was like Kayvon Thibodeau, Lions, Jaguars, I don't know who's going to get number one to get Kayvon Thibodeau, right? That's kind of how the talk was, at least all through last season. Um, and now you look at it, and you're right. I mean, you look at some mock drafts, and I saw one that had somebody taking him at 12, and I'm like, this is insane to me. Like, did he really drop that far based off of what? You know, injury concern, um, attitude proud. Like, I don't know. I mean, you hear all these stories this time of year where, oh, the guy doesn't love football. Oh, the guy's got an attitude problem. Oh, the guy, you know, he's not the first one in, last one out type of dude. Whatever it is, like, you, you don't know what to read through. You don't know what how much, you know, if there's a smoke screen up there or anything. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's really weird because he is such 
a good player. I mean, he's such a dynamic player. I know last year he battled some injuries and, you know, his numbers weren't uh, jarring or anything like that. You know, seven sacks in, in I think it was the 10 games that he played. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's really weird. And now you even see, you know, you go back to last year uh, when the Lions went out to play uh, in L.A. Uh, you know, you read about, you know, the whole brass going over to the Rose Bowl and watching uh, Kayvon Thibodeau play. You see the reports now about uh, the pro day. I mean, yeah. what was the numbers that the, the Lions seven, sent out? Seven, uh, you know, personnel went out to, to see him. Seven <laughs> of, of the, the front office Went out to see him perform at Pro Day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just, it's, you got to try to read between the lines there. Do they really love this guy? Are they really going to send, you know, half your scouting department out there if you, just if you wanted a, a smoke screen? Hey, we're, you know, we love T- Thibodeau at two. Or the concern so we want big you to that trade. you got to send what? seven out there. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, uh, I think the interest is definitely real, uh, only be because, like I just said, I mean, last year, you know, Brad Holmes, I think he mentioned that, you know, they didn't really go to a whole lot of games, you know, college-wise. Um, I think they even said, you know, they didn't even go down to Ann Arbor to see Hutchinson play. Yeah. Um, I think I'm right on that. I, I yeah. thought I heard that maybe a couple of weeks ago, but uh, they went out to L.A. They went out to the Rose Bowl. They all went out in person just to watch Kayvon Thibodeau play. Now you combine that with the fact they're sending, you know, half the department out there to go watch this kid. Yeah. I think it's real. I, I think it's real. I think the interest there is definitely real. Um, but if it's not, I mean, it would be a hell of a smoke screen, right? <laughs> this is our guy at number two. Hey, if you're sitting there at maybe number four, if you're the Jets, or, uh, you know, maybe five, if you're the Giants, and you guys absolutely love Thibodeau, you know, hey, why don't you give us a call and make us an offer we can't refuse type thing? Right. That would be a hell of a smoke screen. But I think it's real. I think the interest there uh, is definitely real. Now, it's up to those guys. Who, uh, they're, the hardest job for a scout is obviously getting inside, uh, you know, a kid's head, you know, trying to figure out uh, what motivates this kid. How good does he want to be? How big of a uh, of a superstar you know, does can he be and does he really want to be? That's the hard part for the scouts uh, that they have to try to break down that wall because obviously you look at the tape, uh, you look at just the, the physical specimen that he is, everything pretty much checks off the boxes. Um, it's just your job to get into kind of that mental capacity to see um, you know, how how he can handle being in a professional environment as the number two pick. Now, I, I wouldn't be upset if they took him only because there's so much intrigue. Um, you watch him play yeah. last year and you just you know you you know you just know watching the film the talent that he has. Um so I think it would definitely be intriguing to pick him at number two just because he is kind of that he's kind of a unicorn in a way where he you could really, really strike gold, or it seems like you could really, really strike out. Right, right? it's and that morbid curiosity. Yeah, like, what's he going to be? It's just that kind of borderline that that just makes it intriguing because you just have a feeling, and this is obviously a fear that I think everybody has, right? There's we, no sure we, thing. If we take Kayvon Thibodeau, he's probably going to. He doesn't want to come to Detroit. He's probably going to stink. Now, if somebody takes him at five or six, the fear is. He's going to turn into, you know, Lawrence Taylor 2.0 and be a Hall of Fame type player. And we didn't take him at two. That's always the kind of debate that's fun to have. But I wouldn't be upset if they did take him at number two just because the talent is there. And, uh, you know, it's just he's got potential to be a big time player. It's just up to them to figure out 
You know, if he's in the right space mentally, if he loves football enough that he wants to be that that type of impact player. So what's the risk for uh, Brad Holmes? Because if he takes him and he's a bust, there's a lot of people right now that would take him at number two. And so it's there's, there's no consensus guy. But, you know, he wouldn't be alone in wanting him here in Detroit. And if it pays off, it's great. But if it's yeah. a bust, then you look and you, and you go down the, the list of, of possible other picks, even um, like Sauce Gardner, who's a corner. And yeah. I know all that it would take and all the, the, the blowback you would have for taking a corner number two overall. Um, Deja vu. Yeah, or Kyle <laughs> Hamilton. Like if those guys end up being players, are, are people going to say, hey, you made a bad pick. It should have been this. Now, there's always going to be those people, right. but... Um, you know, it, it's like the Pistons last year with Cade Cunningham. Like it was kind of clear that Cade Cunningham was going to be the best fit for them. If Cade ended up being a bust, how much would they have held that after uh, against Troy Weaver? Yeah, well, that, that's obviously the biggest fear. Not only with you know passing up potentially other players that are going to turn into superstars, but specifically the defensive ends. Because you see guys like, I mean, Jermaine Johnson's been a name that's kind of thrown out there as being a potential top 10 guy. You look at Trayvon Walker's been thrown out there as a potential top five guy. So that's the fear is, you know, if we pick this guy and we pass on those two or three our guy doesn't turn out to be anything special, and those two or three are all, you know, all pro type players. Yeah. <laughs> That's obviously the fear. And you can go back in every single draft. You can go back two years and look at when they took Jeff Okuda. Now you look at how the next five or six guys panned out and be like, well, yeah, Justin Herbert would have been pretty nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> or you look at any other guys, or you look even, you know, going back 2013-14, they take Eric Ebron, and who's right up after him? You know, Aaron Donald. I mean, it's just like you could do it every single year. But you got to remember that, it's especially even with the Jeff Okuda pick, I mean, it was pretty consensus. It was pretty unanimous that he was a clear top three pick any experts you listen to other teams absolutely loved him and look he's still a young player I know he's had Baraki Road and last year he ends up getting hurt which was potentially devastating but um, that was at the time was deemed to be the right pick by a lot of people Um, and I think even if they take Kayvon Thibodeau it's probably going to be deemed the right pick just based off talent and potential. Um, but the fear obviously is how do how do you separate him from Trayvon Walker? How do you separate, you know, between who you view as having uh, bigger upside at number two? So you can, I mean, it happens every single year. It's going to happen again this year. You're going to look at the pick and three years from now, we're going to say, well, wow, this guy was sitting there. Why didn't we take him? Well, it's always easier in hindsight. You're always going to have yeah. some guys that stick out, you know, after the after everything's said and done. But that's got to be the fear. And that's why I think maybe you see this type of reaction with sending seven guys out there to see Thibodeau just to try to get as much input and evaluation as humanly possible because if I'm sitting there at number two and I'm looking and I'm saying Kayvon Thibodeau like let's go back to last year when everybody thought he was the number one pick what has changed between then right maybe that's why you send out so many guys just so you can get yeah. uh, more opinions more evaluation maybe six guys say hey yeah I think this guy absolutely loves, loves football maybe there's one that's saying you know had a little oh, different experience yeah. right you just don't know so um but yeah I think uh 
I think it's time that they got one right. <laughs> I yeah. think it's time that we got one right. I mean, just looking at the past with, you know, Eric Ebron and oh, even Jared Davis yeah. and, you know, even Jeff Okuda and even justifying taking TJ Hawkinson in the top 10. I right. mean, Hawkinson's obviously been a nice player, but there's always been players right after them that you look at and you're like, damn, this dude's an all pro. <laughs> we missed out on him. I think it's just, hopefully, it's time. That they just get they one hit on right, one. and they hit one, and whatever it is at number two, Thibodeau, Walker, Hamilton, I don't, who cares? Hopefully, whoever it is is going to be an impact player. So, uh, let's just take the perceptions of these players, and I want to ask you know you what you would do because you've got, and, and let's just say Aiden Hutchins is on the board, right? And and he is a guy. It, it's all about effort. Um, he may not have some of the athletic ability that Thibodeau has, but you know you're going to get three downs out of him every time that he's on the field. Same with George Karloftis out of Purdue. He's a three-down guy that is going to be able to rush the passer, but he's also going to be able to stop the run. Trayvon Walker probably along this, it has the same perception as Karloftis and Hutchinson. Then you throw in... A guy like in, in David Ojabo, not the same level, but Kayvon Thibodeau, who could turn into a Simeon Rice type of player. And I use him because that's a guy that I played against quite often. I knew first and second down. I loved it when he was on the field because he didn't want any part of, of a rundown. But then when it was third and long, you know, third and seven, third and six, third and more than that. It was game on, and you had to figure out how you were going to block one of the best pass rushers in the game at that time. How would you evaluate a guy that is a three-down guy that you're going to get more more play out of, more downs out of in a game versus a guy like Thibodeau who may not get as many downs but may have more wow plays? Yeah, I think you... You obviously, the more attractive piece would be the three-down player, um, you, a guy that can play the run equally as well as he can pass rush. Yep. Uh, I think that's probably where Hutchinson has the edge over Thibodeau or over those other guys uh, with how well he plays against the run. And obviously, you combine that with the fact that um, he's had a lot of success getting to the quarterback as well, yep. which is the most important thing for a defensive end, right? Um, so, yeah, I think anytime you can get – potentially that three down impact player it's obviously more appealing and attracting than just a guy that can come in on third down and give you success because let's face it third down is i mean <laughs> you know that's only yeah. it's only a third of the game right you'd rather have a guy that's playing 100 percent of the game on first and second down as well so uh, but i tell you what man i was watching some um you know this past weekend just trying to go over and watch some of these guys i watched you know some more aiden hutchinson film and um trayvon walker and some thibodeau film and um trayvon walker is a guy that really stood out to me where he not only he seems a bit raw still like kind of with his pass rush moves yeah he still got in the backfield a lot and, and did a lot of damage but the way that he was able to generate a pass rush and pressure and sacks and hits while he was rushing from the inside. I mean, there were plays where, you know, he's lined up over the guard. There's plays where he's lined up over the center and they're running stunts or he's just one-on-one with, you know, the right guard, which was a huge mismatch, and he's getting in the backfield. I think his ability to rush from one of those inside positions 
was for me pretty damn appealing because you know you combine that with the fact that hopefully you have a healthy Romeo quarterback you have uh, a hopefully even better Charles Harris on the other side you can combine that with a guy on the inside too that can give you pressure like Trayvon Walker did in, in college a lot of his pressures came from inside that's I think that's what's going to separate him maybe from even taking over uh, you know, a potential two spot from Kayvon Thibodeau just because he's had so much success rushing from all over the field. And that adds so much value to your team when you have a guy that you can identify a mismatch with. Okay, on third down, you know, their left guard is really struggling. We're going to put you uh, in a position to just get one-on-one reps against him, right? If you have that guy, you can move around the, the defensive line to – uh, hopefully expose some some weaknesses. That's that's yeah. huge, man. Um, so I think Trayvon Walker, I, the more I watched of him, the more I started really, really liking him. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know we're still about three weeks away. Yeah. Um, it's obviously fun to kind of dissect and break down and talk about. But like I said, I just hope whoever they get there, number two or – uh, even if they trade down somehow, somebody you know, silly enough that wants to jump up and grab a guy, go ahead. Um, I just, I really hope that it's it's going to be a guy that uh, you know is going to be an impact player here for a long time. Well, stay tuned here because we will take you right up to the draft. There's about 24 days left um, as we record this podcast. Uh, the, the Detroit Lions, number two, they're on the clock. We're going to continue to break that down as we get closer to the draft. Free agency, as we mentioned. It's still ongoing. A lot of those guys will probably be signed after the draft. They're going to find out what the best fit for them is, as well as the teams. Uh, But stay tuned right here for all of your Lions and Detroit sports information on Necessary Roughness.